All right. Um, today we're just going to run through a brief podcast on uh, handover, and I'm interviewing uh, intensive care flight paramedic Sean Whitmore, um, who's uh, quite experienced at Air Ambulance Victoria and uh, quite a senior microparamedic uh, within Ambulance Victoria. Uh, so, welcome, Sean. Thanks, Toby. Um, I guess we'll just get straight into it. Uh, handover, possibly one of the things that's uh, underappreciated in, in training, particularly transitioning from uh, advanced life support into intensive care practice, and certainly things uh, change and, and the uh, necessity to, to uh, articulate very important information in a very timely fashion to a large team of people, particularly in the trauma centre, um, is an art form. So we're fortunate to have Sean, and we'll just get into it. Uh, so there's a lot of handover tools and techniques out there. Uh, do you have a particular template that you use? Yeah, I've uh, stuck with really a pretty basic mist, you know, based on the old mist handover, which I'll talk about that um, shortly because the uh, mist forms the basis of uh, the New South Wales uh, current handover study um, or recent handover study, which uh, has... There's been a lot of work done on it with both the ambulance service and um, a couple of the major trauma centres in, in New South Wales, and they've come up with um, quite a good uh, a good plan and, and a well sort of executed study. Um, handover itself, um, I suppose the best thing to do is identify what it actually is. So, interestingly enough, another study in New South Wales by the University of uh, Technology um, identified handover as the transfer of professional responsibility for a patient or group of patients uh, to another personal professional group. So I suppose to start off with, you've got to work out exactly what it is. What it is, we're defining, yes. And what what it should include. So it's been uh, identified nationally as a causative uh, factor in critical incidents and even hospital deaths by um, poor handover and poor transfer of information or um, omission of information. So there's a number of national um, initiatives. Uh, Victoria's currently uh, in in the midst of initiating that type of work as well. Um, It would be good to make use of information that's already available. So there's been uh, studies in in Western Australia as well. Um, So... And that's not just for uh, pre-hospital to emergency no, department, that's within the... Yeah. within hospital and sure. inter-facility transfer as well. Sure. It's, it's been identified as a, as a risk and, okay. and causative uh, factor for, for adverse events. Well, we'll link, we'll provide those studies for these guys to read. Um, yeah, no worries. Know, no, that's with this right. podcast. There's, um, so there is a lot available yep. on it. Um, and, and interestingly, probably from an ambulance point of view, it's not something that we cover particularly well. So uh-huh. it's done on a very ad hoc basis um, and uh, there's, there's not a great deal in the form of structured teaching mm-hmm. of, uh, of handover. So um, the one that I would normally use is a, is a variation on, um, on the missed handover. Mm-hmm. So the mechanism, injuries, uh, signs and symptoms and treatment. Um, I generally couple that one with a Mm -hmm. head-to-toe description of the patient as well. Um, And leading up to the handover, I would do that head-to-toe examination a number of times uh, during the case case itself. Sure. So at at sentinel points in in a job, uh, I think it's a great idea to actually stop. doesn't matter how big the job is, you need to stop the job look at the patient, say if it's a, a trauma patient that's been intubated or you've, you've 
committed a number of high-end procedures on. Sure. Um, at, you know, straight after you've done the intubation, do a recheck of all of your stuff, start at the, the, um, the head end. Um, is the tube where it was? You know, is the tube misting? Are the connections right? Sure. Check the circuitry on that. Look at their chest. Is their chest up and down, you know, equally um, equal chest movement, has anything changed from what the last check you should have mm -hmm. done five minutes ago um, check all your IV stuff, check all the numbers, go right down to the foot end of the patient and re reassure yourself yeah. that everything is still heading in the right direction and you haven't um, made any, any sure, it's errors. Not, it's not just about identifying injuries, is it? It's about pattern recognition or yeah. progression of and, illness. and just see where they're yeah. going and, yeah. and reassess. So that is a is a the building blocks for your handover sure. from from um, my perspective. So um, that head to toe thing, I think, is a very useful thing, and then you basically transpose that to your handover as well. So that's what I would do. So as a basic answer to the question, I stick with a um, a basic basic eye mist or mm -hmm. mist handover, um, which is overlaid by head to toe examination mm -hmm. uh, and handover of that patient in the ED. And also, um, as a bit of a backup, I'll tend to overlay that again with the ABCDEFG um, mnemonic, sure. which is, you know, just the standard ABC airway breathing mm -hmm. circulation. And this is a, a medical one, probably more than an ambulance one. Yep. But so ABC, D for disability, so GCS, you know, what was it before, what is it now? Yep. Um, you know, have you influenced that in, or yeah. how have you influenced mm. that? And that's important um, information, isn't it? We've taken that assessment away from them often. Uh, we've yeah. intubated and paralysed yep. them and rendered everybody profoundly unconscious. So, and and obviously, in, in neural, if there's mm. a neurological basis mm. for for that um, for that intubation, there needs to be a good breakdown of you know the the GCS and what that disability was in each area yep. too, leading up to it. So, uh, yeah, D for disability, E for environment, so what was their temperature initially, mm -hmm. what is their temperature now? Mm -hmm. uh, F for fluid, so how much fluid have you given, do they need more, what was the response to that fluid? And then glucose as well. So it's a really, really basic thing, um, but I actually think it's quite yeah, a, it's I, a good... I quite like that. ...good backup uh, after you've done your other stuff. So... Um, they're probably the main ones that um, that I've used. Yep. Um, and it just varies whether it be a trauma patient or whether it be yeah. a complicated ventilator. Yep. So the, or, yeah. the M for yep. mechanism, yep. Um, I would look at look at that in a medical patient as a prodromal sure. a prodromal period. Yep. So you know, a septic patient, well, there should be some identifiable prodrome yep. to to the dire circumstances they may now have found themselves in. Mm -hmm. Sure. Oh, yeah, very so. good. And so the next question I was going to ask you, but I think we've covered it, was have you tried others? Yeah, I have. And I think um, you, you tend to bounce around with a few different ones and I think that's dependent on, on the way you learn and recall things yep. as well. So, um, yeah, there's not necessarily a right or wrong answer to these. It's a matter of finding the right fit for uh, because truth the way be told, your brain thinks. You need it to work under stress yeah, and, uh, you and exhaustion and, and, and confusion, and you need to be able to yep. pull it out. And, and, uh, and when you're under duress, you yep. will, will revert to type. Yep. So if you're trying to do something that's against what you would normally do, yep. or thought processes that you, you wouldn't normally have, well, then you will probably make a mess of it. Sure. So sticking with something that fits is, yep. uh, is really important. Oh, very good. Um, 
I guess uh, what we need to cover off is probably what you think are the pertinent bits of information uh, paramedics need to deliver and what's probably not so important. And we'll talk about the trauma patient yep. for this. Um, you know, I, I, an example was that uh, for me, ALS transitioning into intensive care. Yeah. Previously, I would hand over every drop of drug that had been delivered. You know, they'd been given yeah. this amount and this amount. And trying to do that with a morphine midazolam infusion in my first few yeah. handovers of how many, how much milligram wise they've had, uh, really, where that's not exactly pertinent. They probably need to know what they're needing per hour to, to yeah. maintain their sedation. Yeah. So, is there any suggestions as to what's or give an example perhaps of a trauma handover and what you would find relevant pertinent or what's superfluous information yeah i think um particularly if you had a trauma patient for a long period of time mm. there will have been various peaks and troughs in, in where that patient's headed so um when uh so as a for instance with your um your post-intubation infusions and, uh, and your fluid management and all that sort of thing. Now, trying to actually accurately put times on every little thing you've done is probably going to result in an absolutely boring schmozzle that's going to put everyone to sleep. <laughs> so the best idea is to say, well, okay, I actually started the infusion at this. Yep. Um, it was tweaked multiple times during the transfer and then give some brief indication as to which direction that was headed in. So mm-hmm. I, I put it up to 7.5 milligrams an hour or 10 milligrams an hour, found that that was actually um, knocking the blood pressure around. So fluid load and then backed it off mm-hmm. and now it's sitting at this. Sure. So a brief you know, 10 second explanation of what you've done with the trending yep. is a good thing rather than trying to go through every minute um, by minute. every change. Sure. You know? Now, ideally, you could argue that you should be explaining every change, but we know that that's not a practical thing to do. No. Particularly when there's multiple other things going on with, um, with that um, patient. So um, I think what um, paramedics often do is, is dwell on sometimes relatively insignificant but juicy Yep. information leading up to the incident so yep. you know they they try and convey the drama of the situation sure probably a bit more than what they need to rather than just give all the net result is yes this caused it yep. this is the net result this is what we've done um so um that um that again just varies with um with medical and and trauma patients so trying to convey the level of trauma and force involved I reckon is a really important thing yep. with, uh, with trauma patients and that may be under or overdone yep. uh, I think in, in a lot of circumstances so um, giving a really good indication of, of directions of force you know so with um, you know patients that have been T-boned mm-hmm. in the driver's seat of a vehicle well if that's been a significant um, impact you would be saying well I think that the likelihood of um, stuff like you know liver lacerations mm-hmm. and, uh, and diaphragmatic ruptures, ruptures mm-hmm. and things. You know that's that's a, an identified risk with that type of patient. So sure. specifics of um, you know types of impact and forces of impact, I think, are, are good yep. without going into too much carry on about yeah. the, the drama of Don't the whole need to situation. Reenact the entire scene. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, look, some people uh, take photos yep. of the scene. I I think. That is not a bad thing to do, that there's potentially issues with how you store that information and how it's used. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, 
that's probably its own can of worms. Yep. But uh, I think it is a useful thing because you can try and describe something to um, to a trauma team and waste a lot of time doing it and then probably not have them really get the point. But yep. if you show one photo of what a happened, thousand words, they yeah. just think, oh, yeah. jeez, you know. Yeah, oh, you well, get their okay, attention again. Now I get it, you know. So um, I think that's... Uh, that's a good thing. So sticking with, so the pertinent information, you know, sticking with that, the New South Wales study template, which mm-hmm. I think is, is a good template, you know, obviously identification of the patient, mm-hmm. um, you know, brief description of pertinent history mm-hmm. of, uh, of that, that patient. Um, obviously the mechanism or the prodromal period leading to their current situation. Um, you know, injuries, for the trauma patient or main presenting problem for the medical patient. Mm-hmm. Um, signs and symptoms, you know, your, your Glasgow coma score, perfusion status, um, you know, respiratory status, all those things for, for both medical and, uh, and trauma patients. Treatment trends, response, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff is the T. A for allergies is, is obviously a, a, an important one. Um, now, interesting, probably I would throw allergies into that initial identification yeah. part with a little brief bit on their previous history, but that's uh, as long as it gets put in somewhere. It doesn't sure. necessarily matter about the sequence. Uh, medications, background information, and other pertinent information. So that's the you know verbatim mm-hmm. uh, New South Wales study result mm-hmm. as a as a um, system. And again, I think it's probably a, a pretty um, pretty reasonable system. Uh, New South. Sorry, WA have uh, done quite a bit of um, study into uh, risks with their handover, so inter-facility transfers and then intra-facility movement, mm-hmm. and they've come up with the ISOBAR um, mnemonic, so it's just identification, situation, observations, background, agreed plan, which is something that mm-hmm. isn't necessarily in some of the other ones. And, uh, and a readback as well. Yeah, right. So the readback's probably not a bad idea. Yeah. And uh, that's a bit of a... a Particularly collection. in a chaotic scene and you're not sure that's how right. much has and been taken on board. A, a readback is, is yeah. a good one where, yeah. there's, where there's, a, there's a lot of stuff going on. I think yeah. that's a, a very useful thing. And, and that is something of a corruption on an old US Navy um, medic sure. type um, handover. So situation background assessment recommendations. So it's, that's a little bit more simple. That's probably not as pertinent these days as what it may have been because skill sets generally have uh, increased a bit. Uh, sure. All right, very good. Um, we sort of touched on it there. Like The next question I had for you was, what you've probably seen it a few times, what are some of the traps that you've seen others fall into or common mistakes? And yeah, common mistakes, I think, um, lack of confidence yep. is one. So you have to work out how are you going to be confident about that handover? Now, when you've acquired a new skill set and you have to change the way that you do handovers and, and that sort of thing, it's a very difficult and intimidating thing. So you will have external pressures on you, you will probably have someone training you, uh, or if you've just come out of that training period, it's also really difficult to, to be confident. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think lack of confidence and preparation is, is a big thing in uh, making mistakes. Um, being distracted... Mm-hmm. by potentially those receiving the handover that may not be listening to you. Mm-hmm. So that is a very distracting thing. Yeah. There's multiple different ways of managing that. You can press on. Mm-hmm. You can pull a person up and say, oh, look, do you want me to stop for a sec? Yep. You know, is there something you need to do? Yep. Uh, now, generally, they will stop and think, well, actually, I've probably been a bit rude yep. about that. Um, 
Now, with the, the New South Wales study, they've uh, addressed that mm -hmm. um, with that 20 to 30 second hand, hands-off time. Um, I think that would work well potentially with less complicated patients. Yeah. It's tricky with very complicated patients where multiple high-end procedures have occurred and there's been multiple changes in that patient's condition, keeping it to uh, uh, under 30 seconds would be difficult. Yep. So, or detrimental even if you, yeah. you, you have to so skip some important... I think there's potential yep. for modification mm -hmm. with that. But basically, I think you know the, the stuff that's come out of that study is, uh, is great. So other problems are uh, not establishing roles, like not actually working out mm -hmm. who the team leader is and establishing uh, eye contact. Because again, in the New South Wales study, they found that eye contact was um, a big... Um, predictor of how well that handover was received and how long it took. Yeah. So there's a lot of information in that handover and as I say, you got, you, the guys have got access to that yep. and it really is worth a bit of a look through because there's things that you may not have thought about yeah. that have been identified as, uh, as problems with handover. So certainly not establishing roles. When um, people had handwritten PCRs, mm -hmm. I think that handover was much easier as well because you would often have scribbled yes. bits and pieces on your handover and you'd have the on the PCR or the case, case record, you would have that in your hand and you could actually reference that because yeah. you would have scribbled some basic stuff. Now with electronic PCRs that's almost impossible because it's all page and tab based and, uh, and, it, and it's a bit tricky. So um, yeah, they're probably the main common mistakes that sure. uh, I would, would see people make. All right. Um, this was a one that we just touched on there and, and probably is a big uh, hurdle for confidence is, is how you deal with the difficult audience and, yep. and, and there are certainly individuals or systems that are more difficult to work in than others um, how, how do you go about say for example you've lost your audience part way through and you think you've got some significant information to hand over um, I would um, I would actually address the team leader yep. directly with that and, and do that in a diplomatic yep. way because you don't want to create that sort of adversarial no. situation but uh, because then more information will be lost. Yep. You can guarantee then that the, a switch will just click in their brain and they will absorb 10% yep. of what uh, what you were trying to say and they'll be thinking about all the reasons of why they don't like you. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, you know, to um, to address it directly and say, oh, look, John, let's stop for a sec. Mm -hmm. you know, um, I've still got a little bit that I yeah. wouldn't mind getting across. Um, you know, I'll only be another yep. 30 seconds or a minute. Um Probably the best thing is in dealing with a potentially difficult audience is just making sure that preparation is, is yeah. there and, yeah. and being confident about it. Um, I think the difficult audience is even more difficult if you're down on confidence because of the way you've managed the job. There may be an aspect of the job where you think, geez, I, I may not have been 100% on that. Mm -hmm. Now, you need to be completely honest about that and say, okay, this is... Um, this is what's happened. Um, you know, this is the result. I'm not that happy with it, yep. but you know, I need to give you this information, and uh, and I think you'll probably feel um, a lot better yeah. about that. It can be a little bit more difficult now with um, working out who's who too. Yeah. A lot of um, large trauma teams yeah. because they're, they're all in gowns and they're, they yeah. are. They're yeah. all in, in yeah. scrubs and yep. and some of the bigger trauma centres use specific labels like yeah. stick on labels on their gowns and stuff which is a great thing mm. you can at least work out um, who's who yeah. so. um, 
so that sort of leads nicely into the next part. How, how do you best prepare yourself before you walk in the door so that you can maximise uh, the attention or the use of the time during handover? Yeah, I reckon um, you know, some of the stuff we were talking about before is actually in the last few minutes of the job, you, if you possibly can, mm-hmm. you need to stop and start preparing that handover. Mm-hmm. So um, whether that's scribbling a few notes on a post-it note mm-hmm. and having that close by and mm-hmm. having that inside your hand when you're, when you're handing over, uh, I think that's at, certainly at the start when you have acquired a new skill set and, and the jobs suddenly become more difficult for you, um, having prompts is, is a good thing. I mean, it's, it's an obvious thing in aviation and in hospitals that all um, higher-end things and, and busy times have checklists. Yes. So, you know, it's not unreasonable for us to do it. Culturally, it goes against the grain a little bit with ambulance, I think. I think yep. we're a bit against checklists and yep. we feel that we need to remember absolutely everything up in your, in your head. But if you've had multiple changes and it's been a dynamic job and, uh, and you know, other extraneous factors, well, your chances of remembering all that are considerably less. Yep. So doing a cheat sheet... Uh, in the last couple of minutes just prior to arrival at the hospital and unloading and writing down a few things to give yourself a basic... Even if you write out mm. that I missed ammo thing. Yes. You know, that's, uh, that's no worries. Just no. A, a couple of words for each one and I can guarantee that you will feel a lot better about the handover yeah. because you think, no, I actually haven't missed anything. Yeah. And then overlay it as a backup with the ABCDEFG. Sure. And you think, well, and you do you actually do yeah. a glucose again? Or, yeah. or um, you know, just checking... Or temperature, yeah. you know, checking all of, all of those things. So, um, you know, that head-to-toe check, because when, you, when you're landing at the hospital, one way or the other, either in an ambulance or a helicopter or whatever it is, um, that's, one of the, again, one of those sentinel points in the job where you need to check absolutely yes. everything back again. So uh, I think that's, um, that's a, a good way to do it. And yeah. I, certainly I don't say that I do perfect handovers, but sticking with some sort of system will make them considerably better. And the confidence, again, is a big thing. Yeah. So to allow yourself to have that confidence, you're prepared. Yeah. And preparation will, will give you that um, potential of that confidence. Sure. I think, and, and, and I know it's been certainly talked about at length, uh, particularly when the RSI package was rolled out here, but packaging that patient so that it looks like you're in control yeah. too before you roll in the door. Oh, that's uh, right. So you, you know, don't have arms hanging out and that's right. you know, a cold patient yep. and, and you think, oh... No sedation out. running yep. and... and, and, yeah, and tearing yeah. salivating patient. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. You know, that, all that stuff should come earlier in the job. Yes. But, um, you know, just keeping on top of it will allow you again to have that... To keep uh, their attention, perhaps. Better confidence. Yep. The other thing I do is any distraction early on in handover, I think, is catastrophic, particularly a clerk taking the only notes you have out of your hand yeah. to clerk it. So yeah. I, I take the time before I arrive to write down the name, date of birth and address, and as I walk in the door, I hand that to them. Oh, and yeah. then yeah. they're gone. That, that is yeah. one of the major distractors yeah. out of the equation because... Time and time again, I go to do my handover and I realise that I no longer have any of the information yeah, written down. Yeah, um, and, and the clerks can yeah. can be quite obsessive yeah, about the information, <laughs> so that's, uh, that's yeah. fair enough. Um, very good. All right, uh, and just uh, quickly, adults versus paediatrics, is there a difference that, or a different tact that you take? Um, probably, as the, the basic guts of the handover, I'd say no, yep. but the going back to the pertinent information stuff will clearly wait. Mm-hmm. 
how you came up with your drug doses, what your calculations were, they were milligrams or micrograms per kilogram, aggregate doses. Sure. So uh, quantifying that stuff yep. pertinent to kids, clearly mm-hmm. you need to do that and you need to, I think it's a good thing to, to explain how you've come up with those calculations. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if guidelines, your guidelines are slightly different to what the hospital ones are, yeah. they question you about things, being prepared for that. Yes. Um, so... It's I not think, an uncommon uh, no, it's occurrence, not. really. Yeah. And, um, you know, hopefully you would think there'd be some alignment within mature trauma systems that yep. uh, ambulance guidelines will have been uh, created in collaboration with that major trauma centre, which I think does happen, yep. um, certainly in, um, in Victoria, and I suspect that would happen in, in um, all larger centres, is that there's... Um, you know, medical advisory committees that, that help come up sure. with that stuff. But if there is that difference, yep. you know, address that difference and explain it. Because, yeah. And that happens a lot with adult patients as well. Yes. I say, well, yeah. why did you do that? Yeah. Um, that's so 2012, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Don't you know about article, you know, yeah. such and such. So, um, yeah, I think um, definitely being confident about the doses, how you come up with the doses and, um, and weights of things and sure. explaining that. And then that will... Um, will make things easy for yep. you in paediatric facilities as well. I guess the only other thing I'd add to that is the social circumstances often quite relevant in the handover. Yeah. But, you know, um, you know with, how, how, why, was, yes, why was the child unrestrained in a, in a full yeah. drive? And, and, you know, and there's other difficult things where um, if the parents have, are split up yes. and yes. the child's with the other parent, yeah. the absent parent will always have done the job better yes. and not led to that set of circumstances yeah. that they're currently in. So that's a big thing, yeah. and, and that obviously needs to be explained too, that what the what the domestic circumstances sure. are with kids, and uh, unfortunately that's a really uh, a really common um, common thing. Uh, well, I think that, that pretty much wraps up. Is there anything else you wanted to give these guys? No, it's uh, I mean, the biggest thing is to work out how you're actually going to have the confidence to give a structured handover, mm-hmm. and I don't have... A, a straight answer for that, right. but good preparation and yep. constant uh, reassessment during a case, yep. doing that head to toe thing mm-hmm. uh, and checking all the numbers and being confident about where the patient's headed instead of chucking him in the back of the ambulance and mm-hmm. trying to write up your case sheet and then yes. fall out at the other end and you find that they've got deranged yeah. numbers at the other end that yeah. you haven't done anything about. I don't think that's going to happen, no. but it's uh, just uh, having a structured, um, repetitive assessment approach, yep. which then gives you the information to be confident about your handover and your management of the patient. And then your presence in the room, I guess, too. You pick a spot, eye contact, clear loud voice, yeah. don't fidget, don't Actually, the around. eye contact is a big yeah. thing. And, and, yep. and, that, uh, and I hadn't really thought about it, but looking at the New South Wales stuff, they've actually quantified yes. the, uh, the difference that um, that. Uh, eye contact during handover makes and, and it is an important thing so um, if you can possibly lock eyes with the team leader and say yep. right this is such and such this yep. is what's happened um, again there's going to be probably a, a, a more uh, effective transfer of information and therefore better, better safety sure so. All right. thanks Sean appreciate it no worries